Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You are listening to Showing Up, a podcast about people. I'm your host, Jerry Sander, and I'm broadcasting from the Black Dirt region of the Hudson Valley of New York on a beautiful end of May day. Today's show, I want to talk about our madness and our loss of heart. Did we lose our hearts before we lost our minds, or have we just lost our minds and then we lose our hearts? Do we lose our hearts and mind together? This country is in unrecognizable form to me, and I want to kind of slow it down, break it down, talk about a few things that have been on my mind. I hope you'll join me. I'm not interested in making generalizations about occupations, professions, people based on the color of their skin, their religion, their political beliefs. I do want to talk about our shortcomings and our failings as people, as a people, as a United States of America. And I am speaking as a mental health person who is looking at the many different dimensions in which balance is called for in our lives. And I'm seeing nothing but imbalance, great imbalance, many different imbalances all at once right now. And I think people are being stressed and pushed and pulled and confused, made anxious, made depressed, made to feel helpless, and are in the midst of an economic situation that is nothing but bad. You put that all in a blender and then you throw in things like the incident in Central Park with the woman who confronted the bird watching guy who asked that her dog be on the leash and ended up with her threatening to call the police and report an African-American man was threatening her life and her belief that the police would rush to her defense and believe everything she said just because, just because. And then, if that was not enough for us to take in, the sight of a policeman kneeling on someone's neck for eight or nine minutes until they've stopped moving or unresponsive, and that policeman ignoring the requests repeatedly of people around him to notice that the person he was killing was non-responsive, all captured on cell phone video with three other policemen around him. Yes, I know we didn't see exactly what happened before it. I don't want to hear that. We saw that this person was subdued, could have been thrown in the back of a police car with handcuffs on. We get it. It's not like the Minneapolis Police Department has never arrested drunks before or people who passed a bad $20 bill. This is too much for us to take in. I do understand people who say they don't watch the news anymore, don't want to watch the news anymore, but many, many people don't have the option 
of doing that because they are in the news and because they must interact with these systems every day. Here's something else I don't want to hear. That every profession, every group of people, every ethnic group, every, every group of people has a couple of bad apples. Yeah, that's true. But how many bad apple pilots of a 747 jet are you willing to tolerate when you're a passenger on the jet and someone suggests, oh, maybe the maybe the pilot's just having an off day or he, he's one of the bad apple pilots. You know, if he crash lands this plane, it's because he's one of the bad apple pilots and every every group of uh there's there's bad apples all over the place, right? The teaching profession. You get someone who's accused of sexually molesting students. A couple of bad apples, right? It's not tolerated. It's not to be tolerated in these professions. There are professions where there is no room for those kind of errors. You can speak harshly to someone and make an error in the way you speak to them, but you can't choke them to death. That's not a person having a bad day. It's not a person being a little bit off. The argument doesn't apply about a few bad apples painting the entire profession. We know it's not all people in that profession. We know that. I've seen the expressions of support for protesters by policemen who've been touched by what they've seen and have been offended and are disgusted, just like many others of us are disgusted. The question that we have to take up is how did we get here? Why do we stay here? And what can we do to move away from this? What can we do to not stay in this horrible, horrible place? How can we show up as full, caring human beings, the human beings we were born to be, instead of these kind of deformed, limited, violent, dangerous creatures that some of us have become? My first impulse when I wanted to do this podcast about hearts and minds was to find friends or colleagues who were people of color to talk about it with them. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized they're doing plenty of talking within their own ranks. And they've been talking and talking about this stuff for years and decades it's time for people who are Caucasian to talk about this in full honesty, to acknowledge our own different experiences growing up, that we haven't had to fear the police the way that other groups have had to fear the police. We do assume if you're in trouble, talk to a policeman or a policewoman. They'll help you out. Of course they'll help you out. 
Why wouldn't they help you out? I can't imagine saying that to a child of color. And that is so sad. That is not what I thought America was. Now let me express, let me confess my own naivete. When I was growing up in the 60s and all the evils of segregation and prejudice were brought out for everyone to see, there was nothing hidden. And there were violent arguments about how to proceed. When voices of reason came forward, voices like Doc, Dr. Martin Luther King, even though I was 13, 14 years old, I was very optimistic. Yay, finally someone's saying something that includes us all, that acknowledges we aren't all the same. We have differences. We have different religions. We have from different parts of the country. We're different races, but so what? Don't we have the same kind of hearts and hopes and dreams? I was so excited to hear someone saying these things out loud that I thought this guy's gonna be president. He's going to be president. That's who I want to be president. I want him to be the president of the United States, not Lyndon Baines Johnson, not Hubert Humphrey. I want Dr. Martin Luther King to be the president. Isn't that funny? I thought that. He ended up dead. He was shot and killed by a racist. And we just moved on. We moved on. And more than 50 years later, everything that he was talking about is still needing to be talked about as if he had never raised the issue. That is so disheartening. I don't think we can ask people of color to be speaking up more about what they need. We know what's needed. We have to dig down deeply into our decency, the way that most of us were raised, to recognize the humanity in each other, to embrace each other with all our differences. I have a friend who told me about being the only black person working in a pretty much all-white environment and how someone tried to be friendly to her once by saying, you know, I don't even see color. I, don't even, I didn't even see color. And she laughed and said, well... That's pretty strange because I'm a black woman. We are allowed to see color. We're allowed to not know what it's like to be raised in a different culture or a different race or a different ethnic group or a different sex. We're allowed to not know. We're allowed to ask questions. We're allowed to wonder. We're allowed to be invited in to learn more and to share where we come from. 
No one should feel ashamed of their backgrounds. I don't know where it ever became anything other than a hateful few who thought there's one right way to be. Make America great again? How about this? How about this? This is my proposed slogan for the year between now and November. Please take it and run with it. Ready? Here's what I say. Make America. That's it. Make America. I challenge us to make America. To decide what we want it to be like and create it with generosity and humanity and a spirit of inquiry. We don't know what it's like to be the other. But what if we saw the humanity in the other and embraced the other and said, let's figure this all out together. Let's make America. Let's make a better country than it's ever been. And let's leave that country to our children to improve on it in ways that we couldn't even envision because we were so limited. How about that? Does that sound like a plan? That sounds like a plan to me. I am angry and I am hurt. And one of the things that happens in the mental health arena when you're angry and hurt and agitated and four or five other things and fearful for your health because of a pandemic is you no longer know which way is up. And you look for someone or something to believe in and trust. And that, my friends, can lead to fascism. That desperate need to find someone and follow them. The great man, the great leader, the great idea that stops us from being people with good ideas who exchange good ideas with other people who have different good ideas with each side recognizing the humanity in each other and coming up with great ideas together. I think that was supposed to be the idea behind democracy. Not one great blowhard man who has all the answers. No. People trading points of view, learning from each other, improving on each other's ideas, and hanging in there together. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how it can be. Make America. So which came first? Did we lose our minds or did we lose our hearts first? I think you could make a strong argument that we lost our minds first. That we started believing things that you could demonstrate were false. Here's a question I'd like you to consider. How many lies would be okay for your doctor or dentist to tell you? How many? 
We all lie about little things. Who finished the cookies? Who ate the last mint Milano? Anything, right? Your doctor or dentist, how many lies would be okay for them to tell you? According to independent fact checkers at the Washington Post, the president of this country has made 16,241 false or misleading claims as of January 20th, 2020. There have been a lot more since then, including claims about medicines that people should take that might clear up the coronavirus, just things that he thinks about, things that he said, people said to him, you know, those people, people, people tell me, people tell me things about him, by the way, you should hear the things people tell me about him. Maybe I'll get into that, but I can't prove some of that stuff. It's what people tell me. We are led by someone who has lied to us repeatedly. We've gotten used to that. There's an element in that of losing our minds, losing our rationality, not having the power and the agency to be able to stand up and say, hey, Mr. President, that doesn't sound quite right. Isn't it, in fact, this other set of facts? When reporters try and do that, they're told they're nasty or they're not recognized or they're banned or they're censored. That is par for the course in something that is headed towards dictatorship or fascism. I don't use those terms lightly. It's stuff that we haven't seen in this country and we are now seeing in this country. Of course, presidents always did battle with the press corps. Of course they did. Of course they exaggerated and told a couple of lies. 16,000 plus tells me that we are being run by someone who cannot tell the truth. I don't know if he's ever told the truth. That's one whole level of us losing our minds, losing our facts, moving into a post-truth era where the truth and science and facts don't matter or are all a plot by the bad guys. The bad guys are telling you that there's climate change. The bad guys are telling you there's going to be a big virus in the United States when actually it's just one person, one person from China or five people or 15 people. And now over 100,000 people have died from it. But I don't think you'll hear him saying that. Maybe that's just one of those so-called facts. So you have lies and you have social media. Social media can certainly portray lies as the truth and give it equal weight or more weight than the truth because the truth is not taking out ads on Facebook or Instagram. The truth just exists. But when you have someone who are often 
Russian bots or misinformation campaigns by people who don't have anyone's best interest at heart spending so much money on Facebook. Facebook becomes a place that has decimated any concept of the truth to the point that now we are facing the development of deep fake videos. An article on an article in Forbes magazine today goes into this. You will be able to see, for example, videos that are fake, but you'll be able to see the real person saying something they never said. For instance, you might see Francis Ford Coppola say that The Godfather 2 is one of the worst movies of all time. Or you might see the Reverend Franklin Graham saying that he doesn't, in fact, believe in God in any shape or form. Or you may see Joe Biden confessing to having molested someone. You'll see it, and you'll hear it, and it won't be true. Deep fakes. And then we add on to this helplessness. We're in a pandemic. We're told to stay home. Cover your mouth. Make sure everyone around you covers their mouth. Don't go out. This virus could kill you. That is a fact. That creates anxiety. People already were fairly anxious, I can tell you. And one of the consequences of all this, of having lost our minds, is losing our heart and learning to hate each other not disagree with each other's philosophies, not disagree with each other's political points of view, not just finding strange the ethnic or religious or skin color traditions that we come from, but hating each other. That is the path that we have been led down for the past several years by the people in Washington and one person in particular. So let's add it up. We have lies just non-stop lies. We have fakeness, deep fakery, to the point that we won't be able to know if what we're watching and listening to is true anymore. And then we have helplessness, being told to stay at home. There's nothing you can do beyond just staying at home, which creates anxiety. We have anxiety then, increased anxiety. A lot of people had anxiety beforehand. Then we have depression, that the whole world has changed. Where's the world I used to know and love? And on top of that, we have hating each other. Lies, deep fakery, helplessness, anxiety, depression, and hating each other. Is it any wonder why people are starting to desire a strong leader who's going to make things right? For further reading about that, read Wilhelm Reich's book, The Mass Psychology of Fascism. Here's what I propose instead. That people who know how to speak with each other and know how to respect other people who have different points of view than them use fact-based interventions with regard to the pandemic and the economy 
advocate for effective self-soothing mechanisms for people and come up with decision-making that unites our hearts, our brains, and our deepest hopes. That is something we can do. That would be making America. All of us have to be in that. As equals. Forget tolerance. There's no need to tolerate anybody because you were never better than anybody in the first place. We're all in this together. No one is one up. No one is one down. We're all in this together. I realize this has not been a fun podcast to listen to. I had to do it. I hope you understand. I hope you will extend yourself to someone who needs it, who needs you to help make this country, help heal, help make America. I want to leave a world for our children that's rooted in decency and that's moving in the right direction. Thanks for listening. I'm Jerry Sander. I'll be with you again soon.